Well, good morning again, and I just want to greet our campuses now in Waterbury, New Milford, and in Derby. For those of you who might be new, my name is Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors here, and uh, it's a great privilege to be able to open God's Word with you. Today we have a special guest that's going to share in the middle of this sermon as well, one of our Church in Action partners, and so I'll invite him up in just a little while. We've been going through a sermon series called What a Name. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, have been this, this whole school year, and we will be through the whole school year. And so we're concentrating on the Christmas story and looking at the different names of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel for that Christmas story. And today, I want to talk to you about one of those names, a very precious and important and significant name. Let me start by, by saying this. One of my wife, Becca's uncles, who's a brilliant man, said to her when she was younger, you know, every person should only be allowed to have three exclamation points their entire life to use. Use them wisely. <laughs> I received a text message this week where the person included eight exclamation points. <laughs> and the pizza couldn't have been that good, right? I mean, we overuse the exclamation point. What if you only had three your entire life, where would you place them? You know, as I was thinking about this, I think I'd probably place one after the name that I'm gonna to talk to you about today. I think I would put one, I'd use up one of my three right after the name that I wanna to talk to you about today because it's because of this name that all the other names of Jesus really take on life for each and every one of us. You know, it's wonderful that Jesus is wonderful counselor. It's amazing that Jesus is our shepherd. It's amazing that Jesus is the vine, that he is mighty, that he is savior, that he is the Messiah, that he's healer, that he's the king of kings. This is all wonderful. It's wonderful. But I would place an exclamation point after his name, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God is with us. And here's why. Because God is with us, all these other names that Jesus holds all of a sudden have great relevancy for our lives right now. This name makes his compassion personal, his healing relevant, and his counsel timely. Emmanuel means God is with us. God is with us. In a lot of your translations just says God with us us, many theologians and scholars believe actually would be better translated, God is with us. And I love the is. <laughs> God is with us. In his very name, Emmanuel, he's telling us something about who he is. God is with us. There's a subject to this name, Emmanuel, God God, that's the subject. What we have here at the birth of Jesus is not just a child. We have God came down. God walked among us. God is here. Make no mistakes about it. Jesus is not just a reflection of God. He is God come as one of us. He is Emmanuel. He is God. So now when we read the words and teachings of Jesus, receive them as the words of the Lord. Not just some great teacher or prophet. He is God. God is. 
There's a subject to his name, but there's also a guarantee in his name. God is. I love the guarantee. I love the promise. God makes us lots of promises throughout scripture. He tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us. He's faithful with his presence. We learn in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gives us guarantees and, and promises and in his very name, Emmanuel, he gives us a guarantee. God is. God is with. He gives us the subject. He gives us the guarantee. But then in this name, Emmanuel, is a gift. God is with. You know, the gift at Christmas time is that God is present with us. God is with. This word is, in the middle of the meaning of his name, is the bridge that connects the glory of God with the people of God. Do You see, friends, we don't gather on Sunday mornings for a rehearsal. We don't gather for, for a rehearsal to, to get ready for the presence of the Lord. No, we gather because this is a reunion. <laughs> We are in the presence of God. Why? Because of the gift of Jesus. God is with. I don't think you're excited enough about that. And I don't know why. I don't know what else to do about it. I'm telling you that the God of the universe loved you so much that he decided to be with you, not to hold you off on the side until heaven comes, but actually that you can be in the presence of God right now. This is an amazing gift that you get to receive. God is with. God is with. God is with us. There's a subject in his name. There's a guarantee there's a gift, and there's this news of breakthrough in his name. God is with us. Now, you have to understand the context of why this is so important. You see, God was with Adam and Eve in the garden, but then the fall happened. God was still with them, but his, his presence was with them in a different way. God chose a nation through Abraham and Isaac, and, and this nation would be the people that he would walk with and be present with. That nation becomes captive. Moses comes, he delivers the people. He's walking with the people in the wilderness, brings them to the promised land. God's always been faithful with his promise and with his presence with this nation. But now in Jesus Christ, what the Lord is doing is he's saying, you know what, my presence now is gonna break the barriers, break the boundaries, and it's actually gonna extend into all people. All of you can now experience my presence. And by the way, for most of us who would say that we're Gentiles, this is extraordinary news. That God is with us. That actually the heart of our God is not for some. But the heart of our God is for all. All people. And listen, some of you don't deserve it. I've seen you. All of us don't deserve it. None of us do. Yet God is with us. Here. Now. With us, a holy God 
is with us. What breakthrough. What breakthrough. That out of the, the love of God, he sends his son to die for us, that our sins can be forgiven, that we might experience the very presence of God. Yes, wicked, sinful people who have gone astray, who have failed, who have been unkind to one another, who have even been unkind to God himself, yet he doesn't turn his back on us. God is with us. He's with you. Praise God. He's always been generous, generous with his presence. Always. I'm reminded of a story with Moses in Exodus chapter 33. And they're in the wilderness and they're trying to get to the promised land. They take many detours. <laughs> and finally, the Lord says to Moses, listen, I can't stay with you. You're an unholy people. I'm a holy God. It's just so much wickedness, but I'm going to send you to the promised land. These angels are going to deliver you there. And I love what Moses says. He pleads with the Lord. You know, listen, if your presence isn't going to go with us, don't send us at all. I love that about Moses. What he's saying is forget the milk and honey. We could care less about that. That's not even enjoyable without your presence. We must have your presence. And the Lord responds. He says this in verse 14. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God's always been generous with his presence. When I think of the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says this, or Jesus, he promises his presence to his disciples. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus saying, you will in, in, in fullness, experience the presence of God in your life through my Holy Spirit. The Lord's always been generous with his presence. And all the way to us. In the Old Testament, there was this prophet. His name was Joel. And the Lord gave him a word for the people. And this extends to us as well. And the Lord said this through his prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. That means us that we can receive this gift of his presence. As Jesus sends out his disciples and he commissions them, what's called the Great Commission in Matthew 28, which we'll get to uh, in March, but, but I'll say something about it now. Jesus says this to his disciples. You can include yourself in that if you're a believer. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now this seems like a high task, doesn't it? But here's the key to it all. Here's the secret ingredient. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have a God who's always been generous with his presence. Why does God's presence, Emmanuel, matter? I was thinking about this, and then I thought, man, the Bible would be really boring without the presence of God. <laughs> Some people have actually tried to do that, remove the, the miracles and the movement of God. It gets really boring fast. Then it's just a, a story about some pretty messed up people <laughs> getting more messed up, probably. 
But no, we, we have a scripture in the story of God that is filled with his, his presence and, and how he moves. You know, imagine, imagine the, the story of Moses being called by this you know, burning bush. Now that's the presence of God, but let's just kind of put that aside. And he goes before Pharaoh and, and he does all these things and nothing happens. The waters don't part, nothing happens. That wouldn't be much of a story to talk about. Uh, imagine the story of the 72 being sent out by Jesus saying, hey, go and in my name, you know, deliver demons, heal the sick, you know, share the good news. And they come back and they're like, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. Jesus, it didn't work. It's not what happened. No, they come back and they're like, wow, even the demons, you know, listen to the name of Jesus. It's the, it's the presence, it's the power of the presence of God, the presence of God matters in our lives. With the presence of God comes the comfort of God. With the presence of God comes guidance, comes the gifts of God, comes calling, comes the breakthrough of God in our life. It was the presence of God that comforted you through that loss. It was the presence of God that brought peace in a complicated moment of your life. It was the presence of God that brought clarity in complexity. It was the presence of God that brought a word of breakthrough for you. I love also that it's the presence of God that casts fear and anxiety away. When I look at the story of Christmas, I often see the angels saying, do not be afraid. That wasn't a new phrase. <laughs> the Lord told Abraham, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. When the Lord showed up in the people's presence, he always said, do not be afraid. To Abraham's son Isaac, he said, do not be afraid, for I am with you. To Isaac's son Jacob, do not be afraid, for I will go with you. You can see the generations. God told jo Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He continually told his people, do not be afraid. God told Joseph, Mary's husband, through an angel, do not be afraid. He told the shepherds through an angel, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. And Mary told, and an angel of the Lord told Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. When God's presence is with us, we have no reason to be afraid. That although things will afflict us, we have the power of the presence of God in our life that he's conquered death, that we have victory in him. If he is for us, if he is for us, who can be against us? Sometimes you gotta say it to believe it. If he is for us, who can be against us? This is our God. I wanna invite a friend of ours up. His name is Moses, too. I've been speaking about a lot of Moseses. This is like the post-New Testament Moses who's going to come up. I'm going to invite you to come up now, Moses. And Moses is one of our Church in Action partners. It's great to have him here. Moses is the country director for world relief in the country of Rwanda. And we've had the privilege of serving with Moses for over 15 years and with world relief for more years than that. And uh, we've partnered with Moses and his team to create and help really partner with them to do these church empowerment zones, which is really coming alongside the local leaders in Rwanda to help support 
and train and equip them to bring Jesus to their, to their world. But I've invited Moses to come and share about Emmanuel with us. Can we welcome Moses for us? Thank, Thank you, Pastor Good morning. Uh, well, you've um, heard a little bit about where I come from, and I know you've heard about the traumatic and the horrific events of the 1994 genocide against the Tutsi in Rwanda, where we lost over one million people within a hundred days. And these were the darkest days of our country. We did not only lose people, but we also had many flee the country, and we had many people put in prison for justice purposes. The future of our country was at stake. There were options to add it to our neighboring countries or to divide it into two nations, the Tutsi land and the Hutu land. At this point, the situation was very hopeless. Actually, the front page of the Time magazine said, there are no devils left in hell, they are all in Rwanda. The leaders we have today, thank God for them, who stopped the genocide against the Tutsi, decided to embark on the journey of rebuilding a country. Even though we've seen significant progress, some issues still persist. We still have poverty, we have diseases, we have malnutrition, high population density, but we've seen remarkable change in our country. We've seen God turn our mourning into meaning, We've seen perpetrators reunite with the victims. We've seen perpetrators ask for forgiveness. We've seen roads that were filled with bodies and blood now turn into places where we do health screening and sports. We've seen children who had no parents had no relatives, finished school, become pilots, become doctors, and become competent leaders in the rebuilding of their country. We've seen them get married, and uh, we thank God. We've seen Rwandan people receive education, irrespective of where you come from. And we've seen people move from despair to hope, People move from dependence to self-reliance, and families may move from shame to dignity. In this month, the past few months of August this year, I visited a family of Moise in one of the communities where we live serves in the northern part of our country. This gentleman was born in 1985 with an ocular disease that later made him blind at age 15. When the church volunteer reached out to him, he had lost hope, depressed, 
and hated himself. All he did to survive was to get on the streets, beg for money and some food. When the volunteer met him, he encouraged him to save 50 cents per week from the money he was begging on the street. When we met Moise at this moment, we found Moise, he had given his life to Christ, become an active member of his church choir, has a beautiful wife, business that was able to build out of the savings he had made, and had two wonderful children, and the eldest of these is four years and autistic. I asked the wife, what compelled you to love and marry this man? She said, I liked his gentleness, his faith in God, and the way he faces life, irrespective of the limitation of his blindness. But he's also handsome, Philomene said. <laughs> the more we interacted, the more we became close, and I ended up falling in love with him, and later we got married, and the rest is history, said Philomene. I asked Moise, how do you count the money and know the bill, the note you've been given? Moise said, my hands and inner eyes tell me if someone is true or not. And if I doubt him, say he has given me a bill of a thousand francs and I need to give him the change of 500 francs, what I do, I give the note if in case I doubt, I give the note to my neighbor in the market and I, and I ask them for change. If my neighbor tells me that this is not an a thousand bill, then I know he was trying to cheat me. But Moise said, unfortunately, I've not been into this situation. My God has protected me from this. I know he cares for me and I know he is with me. Brothers and sisters, no one can take credit for the transformation we've seen in the lives of people like Moise or Randa in general, apart from God who is always with us. Psalm 23:4 says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Our Lord Jesus Christ is faithful. He is with us. He is with you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to close by thanking you, Walnut Hill family, for joining God and the Rwandan people in the rebuilding of our country. May God bless you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. You know, friends, God is with us. And as Moses said, it's not because of anything that we do that transformation comes. It's by the power of the Spirit, by the power of his presence in our lives. And you know, 
I believe the Lord's calling us to become more dependent on him. I've told you this in the past, but I believe a good parent helps their child become more independent. Should be the role. I had one of my daughters go to a dance. Begrudgingly, I let her. (laughs) It would have been really embarrassing, you know, if I had to hold her hand and make sure she looked both ways before crossing the street as a junior in high school. That'd be really embarrassing, right? I wouldn't have done my job as a parent. No, we hope grow them and mature in their independence. The thing that's difficult for us as humans is that when it comes to the Lord and our relationship with him, it's the exact opposite. He's not training us up to be more independent. Maturity doesn't look like independence. Maturity in a walk with Jesus looks like greater dependence. And so my question for you this Christmas is this. It's a very serious one. It'll be as serious as you take it. Where will you find God this Christmas? He's here. God is with us. So if that's the case, where will you find God this Christmas? Scripture says, if you seek me, you will find me. What will your seek look like this Christmas? I could give some suggestions on ways that we can find him and know him and encounter him prayer. How are you praying? When are you praying? When are you turning your heart to the Lord? Scripture, are you opening his word? In the pages of scripture, the spirit speaks to us and gives witness and account of who God is. Walking with other people, maybe who are more mature than you, that you can glean from. Who are you walking with right now? Seeking the presence of God. Obedience. You can experience the Lord in your life and the presence of God when you say yes to him. What is that thing the Lord is calling you to right now that maybe you've hesitated on? Obey. Meet the Lord in your obedience to what he's calling you to. How about in worship? Do we come into our places of worship ready ready to encounter the living God? Are you waking up in the morning and and worshiping and thanking the Lord for who he is? How are you going to find God this Christmas? I want to encourage you over this next week to specifically and intentionally make some commitments of what it looks like for you to seek God this Christmas season. And I believe if you do, and if you follow through on those things, when you seek him, you're going to find him. God is with us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as I close our time from this message in prayer and we turn to uh, worship. Lord, there's no greater gift you could give us than your presence. Help us understand that. Help us realize the gift that your presence is. Lord, we confess that sometimes we get drawn to other things. We get distracted. And in one sense, we treat your presence cheaply. Lord, I pray that you give us a high regard, an eagerness, a greediness for your presence. You are with us, Lord. 
We want to just lean into that. We want to know your presence. Lord, I pray right now that my friends would take that question seriously. Where are we going to find you, Lord, this Christmas season? I pray right now that you would just drop on our hearts a, a commitment, a, a specific commitment within our prayer life, within our scripture reading. Maybe it's a commitment to go on a walk with you, Jesus, every day. Lord, maybe we need to meet you through obedience in this season. Lord, maybe you want to revive our hearts through worship. Lord, I pray that you might give us a blueprint right now through this Christmas season that, that if we seek you in this way, Lord, that you're going to be faithful to reveal yourself to each and every one of us. And as you do, Lord, we pray for transformation in our lives. We, we don't just pray for a great experience or a great encounter. We pray for life change. We pray that as you show up in our lives that you would call us to great things. We pray for your gifts in our life. Lord, we even pray for correction. Places that we've misstepped. And we pray for that grace to shine through into our lives. The Savior of the world wants to meet with you. Lord, we want to seek you. And we trust that as we do, we're going to find you. We give you all the glory. We praise you so much.